0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Neil Acri for REND, a fantasy adventure game with survival aspects to it and factions and the like. Neil, recorded with the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, and numerous soloists of lesser-known instruments that are super fun to talk about uh, to compose Rend's music. Neil is also close to wrapping up a solo album. You'll hear a bit of that, too. Here's Neil describing Rend.
1: Rend is a uh, survival game, and it's basically you are in the afterlife. You're a Viking warrior that has died and gone to... You know the Viking afterlife, and you start out with nothing. You have to craft your uh, your weapons, your tools uh, out of the uh, environment around you. Build your base. Uh, you're competing against other players as well as uh, creatures that that you know come at you. The elements, and basically your your goal is to uh, to to fight and earn your way to you know Valhalla, the, the great battle in the sky.
0: <laughs> very cool. And so musically speaking, I mean, clearly you were you were aiming to reflect that then, yeah. the um,
1: you know, the the inspiration kind of came from, you know, unexpected places, like the fact that you're crafting these, you know tools and and uh, weapons and things out of you know these very basic elements. so i I, I was kind of drawn towards these. Uh, more ancient-sounding instruments like the hurdy-gurdy or the nickel harpa, uh, the viola da gamba, all of which are string instruments that have these kind of resonant qualities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that kind of sort of this, that the buzzing resonant quality kind of had this um, almost hypnotic feel to it. And it kind of just, for me, had this, this sense of kind of building and inevitability and this kind of perpetual state of of kind of evolving and I think that kind of you know it blended nicely with the gameplay in that you're there's a lot of different things you might be doing as you're you know kind of crafting or, or fighting or exploring.
0: I love that you used all of those instruments, but uh, one of, I mean, most people have just literally never heard of a nickel harpa, and if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit about what that is, um, and uh, just kind of uh, how, how you did use it in the score, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a beautiful instrument. It's sort of like a, a violin with keys, you know, kind of almost a cross between a violin and a, a, you know, a guitar with frets that has you know keys that are pressed down to kind of uh, engage the pitches, as opposed to a you know a fretless fingerboard like a violin has. Mm-hmm. It also has uh, you know some resonating uh, drone strings as well. So it just kind of has this you know again like an ancient machine like quality to it. And, you know, so there's a lot of, like, melodic stuff. It, it has a short bow, so you kind of have to keep the the melodic stuff kind of moving or uh, rhythmic. So I did some, you know, kind of some rhythmic stuff. And, you know, it's one of those instruments, like all the Scandinavian instruments I use, that, that just has this kind of very distinct character to it. And it, it just... It just sings in, in, a, in, a, in a very unique way. What was really interesting about this particular score is that it started out with kind of a, a smaller scope in mind. I mentioned the, you know, the Scandinavian instruments and kind of uh, drone-based music, but at some point the, the game started to evolve into something bigger. The, the zones got bigger, and the landscape, you know, grew into these, you know, Scottish Highlands and uh, this kind of landscape that just needed something else musically. And I found myself kind of going beyond the you know the smaller solo instruments and and uh, you know reaching for orchestra, which you know wasn't my plan from the beginning. I was kind of doing something a little more intimate, but you know I started seeing this artwork that was you know just just a much bigger sprawling scope. and so the music just ended up being you know needing that extra epicness to it, but also kind of keeping that kind of otherworldly you know, ambience to it. So everything kind of has a certain, um, uh, you know, depth to it of, uh, you know, kind of the ambient reverb I put on everything just kind of, you know, takes it into this kind of different headspace than than maybe your typical, you know, classical bass score might have. Sure. And the music also, I, I wanted everything to kind of build and evolve and kind of have this sense of forward momentum while still kind of, being something you could get lost in and then also you know every piece has its own uh identity it's tied to a different zone and i wanted wanted you to feel like you stepped into that zone and you were in a new place not just you know visually but you know the music would hopefully take you there as well because you know the all these different zones in the game are all kind of tied together so you might walk a relatively short distance, you're in this new place and, and everything looks different. But I just wanted it to feel different as well.
0: go through some really uh, fun changes that way and and I mean the musicians that you worked with the list is so great I just I, I really want to touch on as many of these folks as possible because I mean but let's first talk about the orchestra itself out of the city of Prague Philharmonic just they just play beautifully um, so tell me tell me about working with them yeah it's, it's a wonderful orchestra
1: and um... You know, I had actually never worked with them before this last year, and then for some reason, last year I ended up working with them like three times on different projects, and, and <laughs> as well as uh, several other Eastern European orchestras. And uh, you know, the the advantage of that is, um, you know, just due to scheduling, I had to do it remotely uh, over kind of over Skype, and and that's it's not as fun to not be able to be there but it's it's incredibly convenient just to be able to be, you know, sitting at home in the middle of the night and and hear this orchestra playing your music and um, and and playing it beautifully. That's you know, one of the the funnest parts of the process is is getting to hear the music come to life with an orchestra,
0: sure. Super nerdy question here as well. Uh, when you're listening to them, are you listening to some kind of like uh, high speed audio connection so you can hear it as best as possible? Yes. Yeah. Not. Not. Uh, the,
1: Skype is the you know communication tool. Sure. And oftentimes we're, we're typing you know notes while the the take is being recorded, but there is a high uh, high quality line, so you're hearing it. Uh, A very good recording. It's not unlike being in a studio where you're in a different room and you're hearing the, you know, the orchestra is being recorded in one room and you're producing in another room. And, you know, uh, it's just the distance between the two rooms is quite a bit further, but (laughs) it's still, you know, you're still hearing a digital signal being transferred over cables, so. Sure.
0: Uh, so, the soloists, the vocalists are wonderful. There's also choirs, but uh, but let's talk about the soloists and how you found them.
1: Yeah, the, um, well, my getting to work with Einar Selvik of Wardruna uh, was a real treat.
2: On
1: In doing research for the for the game and listening to a lot of music, I had already been familiar with their music, but I just I started thinking, you know, what if what if I had him actually sing on this rather than try to you know find someone that sounds like him? Mm -hmm. And uh, I reached out, and uh, he was available, and. Uh, he brought so much to it, like not only I had written the, you know, the main theme specifically for him and I gave him the, you know, the melodies and everything as, you know, just mocked up with a sample without words. And I said, you know, I don't know if you just want to make up some words or just kind of come up with something that, that sounds interesting. And he set it to old Norse poetry and Hmm. in doing so just added so much depth to it and you know the lyrics which I can't remember right now but um, I'm sure they'll be available online somewhere uh, they're you know just it fit the the game perfectly and and was just you know a really uh, really great addition to it And then Celica uh, Dream is a Spanish singer from, uh, she's from Madrid and has this, she has a metal background. So she has this really powerful voice. And, um, you know, I had uh, actually discovered her through a sample library of all things. I was oh, using wow. this library and uh, just, you know, the, the power, the, you know, the the impact that, that each of the notes had in this library uh, was such that. I couldn't imagine any other singer trying to emulate that, or even I didn't want to have to ask them to. I said, "What if I just get this singer?" And um, you know, she was available as well, and, and had her. She hadn't worked on a video game before, which and and Einer hadn't either. Oh, fun. Actually, at the time I recorded this, none of the soloists had worked on a video game score before, and <laughs> you know, in the two years since, they've all gone on to play on everyone else's things. But oh, funny! Uh, at the time it was you know kind of interesting i mean you know it's fairly intuitive it's all you know kind of cinematic sounding music and they all took to it uh, beautifully mm-hmm. but what the fun thing about selica is that the lyrics you know einar had had done the lyrics in in old norse and selica is from spain and doesn't speak the language right. so she ended up kind of doing a uh, you know uh, kind of a sound-alike, uh, adapting her, you know, harmonies to, you know, Einar's vocals. And, but did it beautifully, you'd never know.
0: Mentioned this earlier, how the scope of the game changed throughout. So, um, you know, what what was that like to kind of shift gears, and then how did it affect the music that you'd already written?
1: It shifted gears in the sense that obviously I kind of I, I started out with a concept, and that is kind of you know have a small handful of of soloists, kind of Scandinavian instruments, and and kind of. Have these very kind of simple drones and and melodies that kind of are building blocks of music, but then as the you know the scope of the game increased, it kind of it, it I ended up kind of calling for these bigger, more sweeping themes, and um, you know like the there's a, a Highland zone that just kind of was was calling out for you know bagpipes and and a kind of a Scottish Highland feel to it, even though that's not. You know, that there weren't any rules that said it had to be, you know, this one, you know, uh, nationality or or anything. It just kind of, you know, being that it's this kind of this world and and I always thought of as an afterlife that's bringing warriors from all different places. And, you know, I just drew from whatever culture just happened to, you know, resonate at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like for the for, this, for the uh, Fristfell zone, which is the you know these kind of icy tundras, um, I would uh, I used a uh, Persian nay. Cause it just had that kind of breathy, hollow quality to it. This yeah. kind of echoing on the wind that uh, just just seemed to fit, you know. And then um, bagpipes for the Highlands. Uh, I, I knew I had to work with Eric Rigler, who played on uh, Braveheart and Titanic, oh, cool. because I actually, um, being a huge James Horner fan from you yeah. know from back in the day. I actually used to write for a James Horner fan magazine. Uh, tw- <laughs> That's amazing. twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago. And um, when Titanic came out, I uh, I offered, you know, volunteered, you know, hey, I can, you know, get a hold of uh, Eric Rigler and do an interview with him about working on Titanic. And I did that and and and, and he was great and I actually have never talked to him since or hadn't met him in all these years. Huh. And, um, you know, finally got to, to work with him, and, and he was incredible. Played <laughs> not only the bagpipes, the illin pipes, but um, uh, played uh, penny whistle, and uh, really a, a great guy and an amazing musician. One of the other instruments that I use quite a bit on this was the hardanger or Fiddle.
0: Oh yeah. Which, um, talk to me about yeah, yeah, talk to me about that.
1: I had a couple different players on that too. Um one of whom was Paul Cartwright, who plays on a lot of Bear McCreary's uh, scores. And he's normally plays fiddle, but he uh, you know, recently started playing the hardanger or fiddle and and does a, a slightly different tuning just to kind of make it a little more uh accessible and um you know uh, able to play a lot of different kinds of music on it, but it still has that really interesting kind of resonant quality to it because it has the sympathetic strings. And I also uh, worked with Rachel Nesvig, who uh, is you know just uh, amazing in that she uh, has a very traditional background and you know, play grew up playing the, the instrument and is you know, really an expert on its, its background and had her play you know, a lot of the the more melodic things and you know what's what's always a challenge with these instruments is obviously when i'm writing something for an instrument that i didn't grow up with and and i don't like know intimately yeah how do you write a melody that really captures the soul of the instrument and you you can't so i always just try to i think in you know i do my job and i i think as a composer and i write a melody that's hopefully accessible and uh Kind of captures the the feeling of the of the scene or of the zone, and then I, I give it to the player and I kind of let them take it and you know give me something that uh, is is a bit of their own. I, I let them improvise a little bit and, and kind of give me these varying degrees of uh, you know just take it and, and pretend you've been playing it your whole life and that it's part of the you know literature of this instrument. And um, you know, see see where you can take it. And In the end, I kind of end up doing an edit halfway between the straight melodic take that we started with, and then something that's completely different interpretation they've done. And the end version, you know, hopefully sounds a bit of both and a bit like it's, you know, not just something that I had to um, try to make sound authentic.
0: Said a moment ago about James Horner, and you used to write for a James Horner fan uh, publication of some mm-hmm. sort. And uh, you know, when a lot of people mention, you know, John Williams or Bernard Herrmann or, or Jerry Goldsmith, and it's it's really great to hear James Horner's name because I know that all those people who mention those other guys also love James Horner because James Horner is wonderful. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about him, uh, just to familiarize. You know someone listening who might not know who he is or, or some of his more popular works, and then maybe talk about some of your favorite scores of his if you wouldn't mind.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, James Horner is um, probably the as much as you know, John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith are you know, huge influences on me, and, and so many people are really sure. Uh, but James Horner is just one of those that's just so so way up there. Um, you know, his. Scores the Legends of the Fall and Braveheart, and even growing up with Star Trek Two II and Three, Titanic, of course, and uh, you know he just had this uh, not only an incredible uh, melodic sense and, and yeah. wrote some amazing themes that just kind of really captured the soul of the films that they were working on that they were they were in. But he, what he had, I think, more than any other composer I've ever scene is uh, a really an emotional sense really kind of was able to capture the emotion of a scene and create these like extremely evocative uh, scores. And I mean to this day you know I hear, uh, I watch Apollo 13 or you know some movie that he had scored and I just I get super emotional hearing the music because of just how much of uh, an incredible gift he had at that. No, and and for those that don't know, he died in a plane crash. Uh, I don't even know if it was a couple years ago or, or, or more now. Oh, it's, and, yeah, um, it's been
0: a while back now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, an incredible loss. And uh, you know, just you think about all the music that that could have been. And um, yep. but I don't focus on that. I just I focus on you know the the, the legacy and the body of work that he did leave. Yeah. You know. Yeah talking about favorites, you know, their Braveheart to me is is a perfect score. Uh, Legends of the Fall is a perfect score, whereas like there isn't a single note that isn't, doesn't belong there and feel like it was just meant to be. Huh. Uh, such uh, amazing thematic writing and then, um, yeah. you know, the way he would, you know, establish themes throughout the film and then at the end of the film find a way to weave them all together in this incredibly satisfying emotional moment. I actually was, when I started out, I was doing uh, Cartage, which is setting up uh, musical equipment for uh, for studios for musicians. I would kind of had a, a few clients that, you know, we'd uh, deliver their equipment from one studio to the next, help set it up and that kind of thing. Not a very glamorous job, but it ended up being like one of the best opportunities, one of the best things I ever did because, you know, the first day on the job I met James Horner the sec- <laughs> second day I met Jerry Goldsmith and uh, over the course a couple of years I was doing it I got to to see like so many recording sessions and and introduced me to you know composers I got to work for and uh, it was really amazing but you know, the, the best thing about it was getting to meet James Horner and getting to be, uh, you know, sitting in the room while Titanic was recorded and uh, just being a fly on the wall. and Really? Yeah. I mean, Ye- just the kind of thing, like, you couldn't, you know, to, to try to recreate that, that thing, <laughs> you couldn't pay someone enough money to, to you know, get that opportunity, and I, I was there being, being paid to do it. Yeah. You know, and it was... Difficult work in in terms of the you know the physicality of it, but it's such a uh, such an amazing time.
0: Yeah, to hear that you got to experience the recording of it is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: very grateful. I've, I've had a lot of opportunities like that. Where at the time, I mean, even at the time, I knew I was, you know, I stumbled on something pretty special. But you know, looking back, and it's the kind of thing that I, if I try to recreate that career path and all the things that. Kind Of fell
0: into my lap. I, I couldn't, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, very, very lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, Neil, what more do you want to say about Rend? Uh, uh, you know, just uh, such an enjoyable score and really beautiful, uh, beautiful music that you wrote.
1: Well, thank you so much. yeah i um I partnered with Materia Collective to make it available on uh, physical CD as well as uh, vinyl for the first time. Nice. first time I'm having my music released on vinyl and um, you know, I'm really excited about it because it's you know I, I grew up on vinyl and uh, you know getting to to have my own music and in, in in something that uh, you know I can you know share and uh, you know, holding my hand is, is, is a special thing. You know, it's it, a lot of soundtracks are kind of going the way of, of digital now, and, and nothing wrong with that. I, I listen to most music on, you know, digital format anyways. But just getting mm-hmm. to, you know, have something you can, you can hold and, and put on the wall and, you know, just, it just, I'm really excited about it. And uh, the soundtrack's also available now on all digital outlets and uh, pre-orders are open for the you know the CD and the vinyl, and uh, they will be shipping later this year.
0: Awesome. Can you talk about what you're working on right now?
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, another thing that uh, came out recently was uh, a single I released for an upcoming solo album called The Velvet Machine. Nice. Uh, the single is called One World, and it's sort of this project that's been in the works for about 13 years now, where I've been kind of writing music for myself, even though I've you know written so many different kinds of music for different kinds of projects, but this is the first time I'm, I'm really getting to do something for myself. And um, you know, it's sort of it's very electronic. And you know, the One World single, which is also out now on all uh, digital outlets, um, it's you know a little bit more of a kind of epic, almost trailer-like track with some world elements and electronic elements. It's sort of the halfway point between, you know, what people might know me for and what the actual album is like. The actual album is, you know, very electronic and kind of gets into, you know, Depeche Mode influences and, nice. um, and some you know, some soul and, uh, you know, just very different stuff, stuff, just personal stuff that I've been kind of compiling over the years. And I uh, decided at one point that it's time that I kind of put it out there and, um, you know, I hope. Even though nobody asked me to do it, and uh, you know, there's there's always something kind of um, you know daunting about putting something out there in the world that nobody asked you to make, and uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that you know the people that that do follow your work they they you know follow a very different kind of music. Uh, but I'm putting it out there because it's something that uh, I feel very passionate about, and and has been like just part of my own uh artistic journey and something i, I hope people will uh get something out of and, and enjoy on some level
0: nice what a gratifying experience for you to finally be wrapping that one up huh
1: yeah yeah been been so, so long you know I, I was hoping to have it out last year but you know you when you spend all day making music it's hard to find time to make music on the side <laughs> I'm continuing to do a lot of work with Blizzard Entertainment, who's been, you know, an incredible, pretty much the the best client I, I've ever had in in, <laughs> in any field, but definitely the the, the reason behind my, my game music career. And I, I'm you know pinching myself as each project ends, you know, and uh, a bunch of stuff in the pipeline. I, I can't talk about what and when, but you nice. know, it's it's always there's always stuff in the pipeline, uh, you know ready to be released in the future.
0: Great, Neil. What a what a nice time talking with you again. Uh, and uh, let's not wait so long until next time.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was it's always a pleasure, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to episode 111 of Level with Emily Reese. You can learn more about Neil Acree at com and see a full playlist at patreon.com slash level. We have launched a new podcast. It's called Scores and Pours, where I talk about classical music and my friend Jill teaches me about wine. We have two episodes out and numerous, numerous of them recorded already. Uh, in the first episode, I talk about the things composers do to symbolize the ocean, and Jill talks about tasting the sea in wine that comes from seaside vineyards. Our second episode is about B-sides, like the B-sides of classical music, the B-sides of wine. It's a lot of fun. Again, we've recorded loads of episodes already, and we release those on Wednesdays. Check us out on Patreon, Podbeam, Tune in, and hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll be on iTunes and the other usual suspects, all at Scores and Pores. We're also on Instagram at Scores and Pores. Hope to see you there. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services and composer Brad Gentle. Level with Emily is a production of June Media.